And good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Scoop. But first, uh, a thank you to my sponsor, Zencaster. Uh, they've done so much for me, and I think you should create an account with them. Or if you have an account, upgrade to their Pro uh, series. And I say that because they offer the best audio and video quality, you know, 1080p HD, 16-bit um, WAV audio, it's, I mean, it's just the best, and you can have unlimited guests, you know, it's just better than trying to record on, like, Zoom or any other platform that has, like, video communications involved. Um, it's just really helped me utilize guests and get high-quality video to publish on YouTube or Twitch or whatever the case may be. So that being said, you should sign up using my promo code. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter promo code the weekly scoop one and you'll get 30% off your first three months. So that's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com and then use promo code the weekly scoop one. That being said, guys, let's get after it. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Scoop. I am working on a couple of different projects, hopefully down the road, uh, with some fellow colleagues that are interested in Web3. Um, hopefully, maybe getting a, a network of my own uh, and, and just kind of like giving people a voice and a platform that uh, definitely deserve it. They don't bring in politics. They don't bring in bullshit. Uh, so hopefully we can get that situated in the next couple months. But first, let's just get down to business. Let's get down to, excuse me. Um, I hit my keyboard, my bed. Um, anywho, uh, I'm really interested to see what happens now because the SEC, uh, chair chairman, um, said that Bitcoin like announced Bitcoin as a as like a commodity or like identified Bitcoin as a commodity, um, which was pretty crazy. Um, I'm trying to find that article. <clears throat> oh, here it is. All right, I went to CoinDesk. Because I think uh, this is pretty good uh, in terms of reliability. So, U.S. Securities and um, Exchange Commission Chair Gary uh, Gensler. So he is uh, the person that heads the SEC, uh, which is, if you don't know what the SEC is, it's a a group that kind of just overlooks financial trading on the stock market and other dabbling into the cryptocurrency market and whatnot but they oversee everything they kind of make the rules on you know insider trading and and things of that nature i won't go into too much depth but um basically the sec uh just overlooks and creates the rules for investing in the united states so he has reiterated his claim that Bitcoin is a commodity. So his interpretation is partially rooted in precedent and one would hope reality. 
So he said in an interview with CNBC's Jim Cramer, some like Bitcoin and that's only one. Jim, I'm going to say, because I'm not going to talk about any one of these tokens that my predecessors and others have said are a commodity. Um, so he, so basically what he is stating is that he sees Bitcoin as a commodity, but he doesn't see like Ethereum the same way. And he doesn't see like other coins as the same way. So Gensler has noted the vast majority of crypto coins are under his agency's remit. So he states crypto financial assets have the key attributes of a security. He said recently noting that there's almost always a centralized entity that directs projects and stands to profit the most. So that was certainly the case when Ethereum blockchain first burst onto the scene in 2014 with an initial coin offering a motley crew of builders and investors and institutions as the Ethereum Foundation. So this is, like I said, according to Coindesk. So in 2018, the SEC Director of Corporation Finance, William Hinman, said Ethereum ought to be classified as a commodity having reached sufficient decentralization. The open publicly accessible network grew to include a diverse cast of stakeholders. So Gensler is kind of against that where um, he says, but some Bitcoiners view uh, basically Bitcoin is like different from cryptocurrency. Like Bitcoin is in its own realm is what he says. So the OG Bitcoiner Jameson Lopp uh, made the distinction recently saying most cryptos are decentralized in name only or they say dinos, D-I-N-O-S, and are likely unregistered securities. MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor called for crypto's parade of horribles to be stomped out by regulars, which eh, I somewhat agree, but I think that's a little harsh. Um, In Sailor's world, the government's stamp of approval is a stepping stone towards Bitcoin being embraced as a treasury reserve asset for politicians, agencies, governments, and institutions the world over. Because Bitcoin is capped at 21 million coins and cannot be debased as it acts as buoy against the melting ice cube that is an inflating fiat economy. Very true. In recent months, the sailorism, so this is the same guy, has been embraced by a growing number of Bitcoiners. Critics like developer Jacob Frenick points out the contradiction in believing that Bitcoin's value proposition is granted by the state. But Frenick is quite right. It's not a chicken and egg thing. The commodities classification scheme stems from Bitcoin's actual material conditions of being highly decentralized. So Bitcoin is a distributed network powered by a digital asset. It has no singular administrator or owner. Although people may buy BTC thinking they may profit from holding it, including profiting from the work of others who build useful apps or maintain its code base, there's no entity to profit to which profits accrue, unlike the securities as defined by the SEC's um, Howey test, which what the hell is a Howey test? Oh, so it's the Supreme Court case for determining whether a transaction qualifies as an investment contract. So that's what a security is. Interesting. 
So recent academic research from Baylor University noted that in its early years, Bitcoin had a very limited number of stakeholders. It wasn't always decentralized and at times early miners could have been easily attacked, could have easily attacked the blockchain. Although, and though its founder, Shitoshi Nakamoto, which that's not his real name or her, seemingly never profited from his work, his hashes stand in time, showing how most networks at their beginning are networks of, of a few. So that was a good article. And I just want to talk about how Bitcoin is classified in this sense as a commodity. So for those of you that don't understand like economics from like a macro scale uh, or a micro scale even. So the definition of a commodity is an economic good, usually a resource that has full or substantial fungibility. That is the market treats instances of the good as equivalent or nearly so with no regard to who produced them. So commodities are oil, gold, uh, hell, even corn, sugar, uh, coal is another good one. Um, like jewelry stones, wheat, uh, any type of ores, uh, chemicals and plastics, machinery, transport equipment. Yeah, those are what you would call a commodity because those are raw. Well, some of them are raw. Um, some of them are hard and some of them are soft. But basically, like you could transact with gold, silver. You could also transact with oil. You can transact with corn. So like if you think about it in the early days of economics, so like even before the U.S. dollar uh, came about, we had barters. So in history, when you talk about a barter, you talk about uh, someone who traded an object for like another object. So like when we talked about, obviously, the Native American, like, you know, pilgrim encounters weren't as uh, <laughs> friendly as, as what the history books may say. But like an example would be, you know, the Native Americans traded corn uh, and the pilgrims traded, you know, uh, whatever uh, the case may be that they could bring about, whether it was like wheat or, or whatever, the, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so really, <clears throat> in a sense of commerce, people would barter like food for food. People would barter, you know, oil or spices or, you know, whatever for gold, silver, um, platinum, iron ores. You know, you can barter and, and have a sense of value uh, with whatever you deemed valuable back. You know, this was a long time ago. <clears throat> and then the Federal Reserve came about. And that's when we took, you know, the U.S. dollar off the gold standard and whatnot. Um, it's it's honestly crazy to think like we've come this far. And my theory is we're suppressing the U.S. dollar 
to extinction. Like if you look at the value of the U.S. dollar, it's practically worthless. Um, like if you look at different charts and, and things of that nature, um, I'm going to try to see if I can find the... So that's the Fed rate. Um, why can't I find it? I am not able to find this. However, basically, the if you if you look up the U.S. dollar value chart over you know over time, um, it it is just rapidly decreasing, like just absolutely insane how the value is just crumbling um like if you think about oh there it is so i have this picture up just look up usd value over time and you'll see the price the rise involved the us dollar so it, it it talks about it from 1913 to 2019 um and it's honestly crazy because the U.S. dollar was worth $100 when the Fed was created. And that's when, so 1913, so that's when like, there was like a recession period and that's when the Fed was created. So that literally just, the dollar got scorched and plummeted to $50 in, in value. And then it jumped up in the 20s. Uh, there were recessionary periods in the 20s, but it jumped up to about, looks like 55. And then when the depression hit, um, I feel like I'm messing up a timeline here. I just want to make sure I'm correct on this. When was... Yeah, it was 1929. So it says 1929-1939. So I'm trying to read this correctly. So yeah, actually that makes sense. So the Wall Street cra crash on Black Thursday. So we had a recession, but that actually made the dollar value go up, which is actually kind of confusing. So it went up from 55 to like $75, and then it, it dropped down to 70. And another recession goes up a little bit. And then ever since like 19... It looks like 1930s, like late 1930s. It's just been downhill ever since then. It's never gone back up. It's either plateaued or it's just rapid decline. And, you know, even recessions, um, like it's just crumbling the dollar. So we're in 2019. It says longest U.S. expansion ongoing since June of 2009. So for the past 10 years, excuse me, um, the dollar value is at, I think that looks like at least, at least like two or $3. It might be $5, but it's just plateaued and it's getting, it's getting squeezed hard and we're hitting a recessionary period. I would say right now, um, big bear markets, big money losses. Um, so we're in, so we're even losing more value because we keep printing more money too. 
and this isn't new to anyone i don't think unless like you don't read history this isn't new to anyone because like i said since 1939 we've been on a decline rapidly with the u.s dollar like ever since we created the fed it's been nothing but decline i mean like i said we went up for a a short decade and then it's just it's been a a straight rapid decline and it's just getting worse and worse um as we as we keep printing money and that's what these politicians do is they just print money to solve issues and then we just have this massive amounts of debt and that's why the debt falls upon the middle class because when we when we just keep printing money you know we we devalue the dollar so then like when you get your five percent raise at work in in reality it doesn't do shit and then when we stop printing um we keep we we lose you know we lose we lose dollar value with the inflation um so savings accounts uh michael burry was tweeting out that savings accounts were at its all-time low since 2013 and credit card debt is at an all-time high so i think you can read between the lines here what's gonna come next and my theory which like i said how much.net look at the chart of visualizing the purchasing power power of the dollar over the last century look at that chart my theory is they're going to squeeze and suppress the dollar in America. And then once there's no more money to be printed or there's no more value to be added to the dollar, because at this point we can't reverse the effect. We can't make the dollar go up. We're going to switch to Bitcoin. That's how we're going to transact. And the world is either going to adopt it or go against it i would say most big countries are going to try to adopt it and when that's the case that's when that's when the tracking will be huge and that's when the government will issue their coins that they want to utilize whether it's like ripple stellar or whatever but the the fed's going to create their own cryptocurrency coin and that's what's gonna uh kind of narrow out the value and that's when all these projects are going to fail that are not set up to create utility, um, which is why I stress don't invest in Dogecoin and like bullshit currencies, because once this happens, Doge won't last because it doesn't have utility or transactional value. That's why I like Chainlink and Phantom, who actually partnered, um, as I figured I found out on Twitter as of today that link and phantom are are partnering up uh for different protocols and things um huge just huge gain right there um uh that's why i like them and this isn't financial advice but that's why i like link and uh, phantom and then i also like uh i do like xrp to a certain extent i do like xlm you know if you're into those iso 222 coins because um they'll transfer over so i do think that's important however i do think solana's got 
great NFT potential. Um, obviously, Ethereum has great utility because they have the most um, developer space. So I think that's really crucial and really important. So in terms of Bitcoin and fungibility, I don't think Bitcoin is going to be the end-all be-all. I think Bitcoin will be where it's at. I do think it'll have one last big pump when they stop making the coins. And then I do think the U.S. is going to try to adopt Bitcoin as a commodity. So I do think that's going to inflate the price. People are going to make their pump. And then it's just going to level out and plateau. And then it's going to go down. Um, I don't know the time period of this, obviously. I think we are still ways away. I think we're years away from this. Like 2030, I think, is when the turn happens. And I would enjoy the next, you know, five five years or so on the U.S. dollar. Um, Because $100 in 1913 would be worth like four dollars in 2019 so i can't imagine what that would be worth now (laughs) i think it would be pretty low actually let's do a hundred dollars january 20 january 2000 to may of 2022 Wow. So I looked up $100 in 1913 as the same buying power as um, like three grand. Sorry, let me see if this is, let's try the other way. Yeah, actually that makes sense. Okay, so if you took $100 in 1913 to today, uh, uh, June of 2022, or actually this is May of 2022. This is a CPI inflation calculator. It's $3.35. So like I said, not great value, but they're going to suppress the hell out of this and for the next five years or so. And then we're going to move to Bitcoin and crypto. And that's how we're going to be tracked. And that's just how the world's going to work. But I do think it's great opportunities for NFTs and and things of that nature. So I've uh, taken up my time for today, which is great. But uh, I have another episode. uh, I'm going to try to do another episode Friday. Just give you a little feel good Friday. Maybe do a little mindset stuff. But Appreciate you listening to me. Thanks for letting me take my week off. I was working at the office and I just didn't really have the time or the energy to, to dive into this podcast. So um, still going to try to give you two this week and hopefully you don't uh, get too upset that I missed last week. But thanks, everyone. Have a great day.